Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My sincere thanks to listeners and those who have liked, subscribed, and commented. Your interest is noticed and deeply appreciated. I'd like to start today's podcast with a particular thank you to the listeners through the podcasting services such as Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. As you all probably know, I release this podcast through YouTube as well. When I do, I post links to the new episodes through social media, which includes Facebook groups of tens of thousands of subscribers. Even with that, I'm noticing recently that the audio-only podcasts are getting more listens than the YouTube videos, which is great. Thanks, everyone, for listening and subscribing. A listener wrote me privately with a fantastic question, one so good that it would make a great podcast. The question itself came from an instructor who was recently promoted to Sandan, or third-degree black belt. In the organization he is in, at this rank, an instructor may test someone for Shodan, or first-degree black belt. The question was, how do I know that I'm good enough to decide if somebody is worthy and capable of attaining Shodan? The listener asked his sensei this question, and the response was focused on the student testing, and he didn't really feel it addressed what he had in mind. I cannot say whether the answer itself was wise or not, it very well may have been, but since it didn't provide the desired clarity, I would call the answer insufficient. This question has many other questions which are strongly related to it, ones that come up all the time with practitioners. They certainly did with me, and they led me to a great deal of introspection to find decent answers to them. I'll start with the short and easy answer first. That is, how do you know if you're good enough to decide if somebody is worthy of Shodan? Is the criteria laid out by your instructor or the organization clear, and are you experienced enough to analyze what exactly is needed? When it comes to the testing criteria designed by somebody else, that pretty much answers it. The difficult part comes in when the definition of a Shodan is not clear or seems subjective. And this happens all the time, sometimes for good reason. More often than not, though, black belt promotions are more about politics than they are about hard skills. This brings up the difficulty in answering the question the listener raised. What if the newly minted Sandan isn't aware of the politics involved with the belt ranking? If he isn't aware of the political considerations, how would he know whether somebody is worthy of a showdown? The answer is, he wouldn't, unless the instructor shared the insights surrounding the political situation of the test. Instructors are usually very guarded about such details, as they can be rather compromising in some fashion. How compromising? Two examples I can think of are both situations I have seen myself. In one case, it was a need-on, or second-degree black belt, test to promote the head instructor's wife. She had only been to the dojo a handful of times in the prior two years or so. All the other black belts were wondering why she was testing at all, since she never trained. Being current on your training and showing improvement in your abilities was a stated criteria for Nidon. What was the answer from the head instructor? He said, oh, she trains at home. This was an utterly ridiculous excuse and everyone in the dojo knew it. The result was that the Yudancha shrugged it off and let it go. The second example was a Yandan, or fourth degree black belt test. In this organization, there were strict prerequisites for testing. Those being a certain number of log training hours and a determined time at current rank. I don't recall the exact number of training hours required or the time at rank required, but I believe it was three years of being a Sandan, or third-degree black belt. The situation was that in this particular case, the person testing was allowed to test well before achieving those two prerequisites. Why was he scheduled to test before he fulfilled the criteria? We cannot be sure because it was not stated outright. But he gifted his Shihan tickets to a pro football game. For those who aren't aware, those tickets cost hundreds of dollars each. 
The response to the premature test was almost identical to the previous story that I shared. The Udancha all realized the situation was ridiculous, but shrugged it off. When something like this happens, what should you do? You can raise your concerns, but what if they are being ignored? How much fuss or turmoil is called for? In the end, what difference does it make getting into arguments about it? These experiences really drove home how distracting pursuing rank is to training. Some people get obsessed with it. Due to stuff like this happening so often, rank really doesn't mean much. A belt rank or certificate is nothing more than a gift from one person to another and doesn't reflect skills or competence. It can, but there is no standard whatsoever. It's my belief now that advanced Udansha rank, which is second degree black belt and above, is more destructive than productive to the development of skills. The reason is that they invite politics, and politics are a negative influence on martial arts. Now we can't avoid politics entirely, but formalizing politics adds a layer of problems which are unnecessary. That's just my opinion. I realize that people are motivated by tests and ranks. I'm sure every black belt from any martial art has got stories about politics surrounding getting tested and promoted. It's about as common as the flu. It takes an extraordinary person who stays focused on their competence and abilities and doesn't get distracted by pursuing rank or promotion. A good question to ask yourself, would you train martial arts if there were no ranks? Think about that one for a while. As much as I think people get caught up in pursuing rank, I do believe there are valid reasons to test students. Everything in life is a test. There comes a time when the results matter and the pressure is on for you to perform well. Tests bring on an aspect of this pressure where normal classes do not. It's natural because everyone expects to make mistakes in class as they are engaged in the learning process. Training is not the same as scrimmage, and a scrimmage is not the same as the big game. I've found that each test is unique to each student and that students are vastly different from one another. Just last fall, I administered a showdown exam for a student of mine who is extremely strong and fit, one of the best conditioned athletes I know. The criteria for his test was different than another student of mine who's coming up on 80 years old. Is it reasonable to expect the criteria by which I measure both to be different? Of course. It would be foolish to expect them to adhere to the same standards. My longer answer to the listener's question would be, do you have the understanding to realize this, which he probably does, and the experience to see how the two students can be different but still show that they are effective at Aikido? It doesn't matter that they approach the test in different ways or even that they have differing levels of success. If an instructor has the level of understanding about how different students express their Aikido in a unique way and can still assess whether they are effective or not, then they are qualified to do so. Now that brings up the really big question about all this. What exactly is the criteria for a showdown? I'm sure we have all thought about it, and if you gathered a thousand different martial artists, they would give you a thousand different answers about what it is. After an abundant amount of thought, here is my own conclusion. A showdown is something special. It is the baseline standard for which an art is measured. The reason being that you cannot accurately judge an art by a beginning or intermediate student. Below showdown, a student is still learning and their skills are not complete enough to assess. Showdown is different though. It is more than just a milestone, it is a big milestone. It doesn't indicate mastery, of course, but it is taken to mean that you have a base level of competency in the art. As I thought about it, I realized that I had no control or influence over what criteria other instructors had for their showdown tests, but I certainly had it over mine. Observing Udansha tests of other organizations is particularly interesting to me. I tend to learn a great deal from every one, 
although not necessarily about technical performance. For me to provide a clear expectation to my students, my criteria had to have clarity. Since I like boiling things down to their essence in order to understand them, I wanted my goal to be something which could be stated in a sentence or two and have anyone understand it. What I've come up with so far is that my showdown should be able to train with any other black belts in any art and show that they are competent enough to impress other black belt martial artists. They should leave with the impression, yeah, they're solid. That includes being able to roll with a wrestler or spar with a boxer and still show pretty well. I didn't say invincible, and I believe that that is a false expectation mostly created by Hollywood. Instead, they should be difficult to beat by just about anyone. I'm also clear that if they face a professional or even an amateur fighter, they won't likely prevail, but they should show solid fundamentals and at least be a challenge for them. No one can be expected to train a few days a week and to prevail over somebody who trains and fights professionally. No martial art will make up for that training delta. If you want to be good enough to beat professional fighters, you have to train like a professional fighter. Tests and belt ranks in martial arts also have a character criteria. This is much harder to define than physical skills. It is a deep subject, the matter of character. One character trait I look for is humility. That is, in essence, no excuses. Have the humility to say, I don't know, if you don't know something. And if you get bested, then cheerfully admit it and learn. Character is often a stated criteria for showdown, but this is something I've seen overlooked a great deal. Dojos don't make money by holding back students from promotions. Students tend to quit when they think they are not getting promoted quickly enough, and black belt tests can demand high prices. Holding a student back from testing for poor character is not profitable. I suppose this is also an aspect of the political side that I mentioned earlier. Of course, character assessment cannot and should not be done during a test. It must be done well before the test is planned. If someone shows character issues, they must be addressed in training. One aspect I run into a lot is students who have their own criteria for what a black belt is and whether they are worthy of it. This is usually expressed with the attitude that they are not ready for the test yet and are shy about taking it. Sometimes the resistance to test gets pretty extreme, where students flat out refuse to test and will pull every trick in the book to keep from testing. I've heard of students who don't show up for their tests so they don't have to do them. These are extreme examples and pretty rare, but I have seen them firsthand. Most often, the resistance is softer. Students typically want to take more time to prepare, which starts a week or two here and there and turns into months and even years. There is always more training to do before they feel they can ace the test. They seem to want to be so well prepared that the test is easy and they can breeze through it. What kind of a test is it if it's easy? I realize that not all Aikido dojos are as intent on self-defense as mine is. However, I feel any martial art that only pays lip service to the self-defense aspect is doing an injustice to their art and to martial arts in general. If you make the test easy, it isn't much of a test. No one respects tests which are little more than dance recitals. It smacks of participation trophies which I feel are destructive to students and the art in a variety of ways. A Udancha belt test should be rigorous. The level of intensity may be different from student to student, but each one must feel that they have faced a remarkable challenge. If they are certain they will prevail in every exchange, then the level of intensity is too low. If you're going to prepare for the real world, there must be a fear factor at play. The last thing I would want of one of my showdowns is to crumble when their survival rests on their training. I've seen many Udancha tests, and a majority of them, not all, had a disappointingly low level of intensity to them. They felt more like walkthroughs than tests. 
When a student feels, while working in a stressful environment, how far their skills can take them and where their limits are, they now know themselves well. They also know where and how their skills break down, so they know where to focus their future training. It's similar to an athlete who tests himself in competition and fails. The failures are what determines adjustments which are needed in his training so that the next competition goes better. This is the path of constant improvement and where martial arts training differs from taking math tests or other academic evaluations. I could go deeper into testing criteria itself, but I won't do it here. Suffice to say that I question the validity of formula demonstrations. For example, show me Gamnetsky Kite Nage, which is a punch to the face and a wheel throw technique. When this is the training focus, set forth by the test criteria, the result is that people are only practicing forms. Such training is missing the analysis and adaptability needed for those skills to be practical and applicable to self-defense. They're just doing paired kata. I admit that I'm not a fan of kata because it's too easy for students to miss the important aspects of how to apply technique. There is a place for kata in the learning cycle, but kata is only a minor aspect to training. It makes no sense to me why it is such a major component in testing. Life teaches us that one size fits all doesn't fit anyone well. Paired kata demonstrations feel like a one-size-fits-all criteria. They also fail in a major aspect of martial arts. What if someone goes to attack you and you don't know what attack they are about to throw? Always knowing what attack is about to come is completely unrealistic. Familiarity breeds laziness, which is the enemy to being well-prepared for self-defense. The topic of testing criteria brings me to a question which is directly related to the listener's question. That is... What happens when your personal criteria for a showdown differs from that of your organization? Usually, the instructor's personal expectations tend to be higher. Standardized testing, which most organizations administer, tend to be geared to the lowest common denominator. The reason is that the test criteria cannot be seen as subjective, nor can it be so difficult that it demoralizes students. It has to be a test that a vast majority of the students at that level can pass. Many instructors and martial artists who take skills and competence seriously are turned off by this approach, and I admit that I'm one of them. The reason being that we see the results when black belts with no practical skills are looked at as representatives of the art. When they show poor abilities, it reflects poorly on the art itself. The higher the rank, the more they are looked to as experts and examples of the best that that art has to offer. What happens when the really high belt-ranked instructors show a glaring lack of skill or fundamental knowledge? I believe that this is a major factor in Aikido's poor reputation. There are three options to solve the dilemma of having personal views on the qualifications for Shodan than your organization has. One, try to change the organization's criteria. In a small organization, this might be possible. Even there, it would likely be difficult and would probably not change anyway. You might be able to do it, and it might be worth a try. Two, quietly go with the flow and let the organization do its thing. This is what most people do, and the downside is that over time your faith in the organization and its vision diminishes, which leads to a lack of interest and even burnout. When you aren't doing what you love the way you want to do it, you won't be happy. When you're not happy, you will always question why you are staying around. And three, you leave. Either you find another group who does train how you want to do it and has a vision closer to your own, or you realize that you're bored and just don't want to train in a way that doesn't fulfill you and you just quit altogether. Maybe you leave and you start your own training group. This sometimes happens, but I think that very few people who love to train are motivated enough to start their own dojo. 
It's a difficult endeavor, and it's certainly not for everyone. The last point I want to cover here is not only to do with the criteria of the rank of Shodan, but of every Udansha rank. A good student will constantly ask himself, am I good enough for this rank? And what should I be doing better to be a better Shodan, Nidan, Sandan, etc.? A good student never stops advancing to rest on their achievements or their progress. If you are Udansha or even coming up on being a black belt rank, there are two tangible ways to measure your progress. These have helped me stay focused and not get distracted by politics. The first is on your own skills and abilities. That is why you started training, and without these always improving, you're just wasting your training time. Always hold true to this one, and be relentless on improving yourself. Be very aware of when you get bored or lazy in your training. It should always be challenging to some degree. Never let yourself sink into going through the motions. And it's very easy to let this happen. If this starts to happen, find a new influence and expose yourself to something new. The second thing is for people who have been Udansha for several years or more, and may be feeling that there may be more to martial arts training than the pursuit of their own skills. Perhaps they're getting older, and injuries or health may limit their training. There are always things to learn, even when the body is not as capable as it was. The thing to think about is measuring your progress by the quality of your students. There comes a time when your skills and training are no longer about what you can do, but how you can effectively impart your knowledge onto others. I think this starts well before black belt rank, but as a martial artist gets older and more experienced, their achievements spread out from being merely personal to being represented in the skills and abilities of the people they teach and influence. If you have solid skills and impart them to two or three students who are also highly skilled, you have done a great service to them and to the art. I'll leave you with this thought, and it does come back to the original question about being good enough. If there was one statement or sentiment that is absolute doom is, yeah, I'm good enough, or I'm happy where I'm at, that statement is just as dangerous when it is said about even one particular technique as it is about one's general capability and knowledge. The minute you embrace this attitude, you will start on a path downward. It means your drive to improve is gone. If you don't get it back, your training will only consist of you going through the motions and your skills will deteriorate. Any living thing is either growing or dying. You are growing when you are learning, improving, and progressing. Each of us chooses every day which we are going to be. Thank you, Sensei Thompson, for the excellent question. I hope my answer to it and other topics I talked about are interesting and helpful to you. What other topics are you interested in hearing covered in this podcast? Please share your ideas in the comments if you are watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall Side and post a comment. You can always support this podcast by donating either through a monthly sponsorship or a single donation of any amount that you like. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through the comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.